0: Have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. You're listening to Old Glory, an American history podcast with me, your host, Parfyadin This is a history podcast making a journey through U.S. history from the colonial era to the present. Uh, in the last episode I talked about New France, and New Netherlands, two colonies competing for the fur trade with the Native Americans and uh, also competing with the English in New Th- North America. Uh, and before we get to the English uh, colonization, uh, I rather briefly mentioned the colony of New Sweden in the last episode. Uh, it is in many ways a forgotten colony, not mentioned in a lot of books about the colonial area but it is actually an exciting history and since i am a swede hey it's a no-brainer to dedicate an episode about this colony and the legacy it left uh, that can be found in the u.s today and uh, spoiler alert there will be a connection between new sweden and sylvester sloan so i will get to that So Sweden had a colony in the Delaware area, uh, south of New Netherlands and north of the English colony of Maryland. Uh, The colony of New Sweden was established in 1638 and existed until 1655, that is 17 years. In the 17th century, Sweden quickly grew to become a major power in Northern Europe. Uh, in Sweden, we call this era the Age of Greatness, or the the Great Power Period. Under the leadership of King Gustavus II, Adolphus, uh, success was achieved during the Thirty Years' War, uh, that is, the, the long war between Catholics and Protestants in, in Germany, Poland, and, and the Czech Republic. For a period of time, Sweden consisted not only of Finland, uh, long considered a natural part of Sweden, but also Estonia and parts of Norway, Russia, Lithuania, Poland and Germany. Uh, the Baltic Sea was almost like a modern nostrum for, for Sweden. Um, even when the king himself, uh, Gustavus Adolphus, dies, there is a strong Privy Council led by the Lord High Chancellor Ak- Axel Oxenstierna, uh, one of, of the most famous men in Swedish history. And while the young Queen Christina, uh, uh, Gustavus Dolphus daughter, grew up, and uh, before she comes of age, Oxenstierna is the actual ruler of Sweden. Uh, but later, Christina becomes the, the the queen who rules Sweden. During a visit to Amsterdam, Axel is introduced to Samuel Blumert and Peter Minuit. Uh, Blumert had been the director of the Dutch West India Company had, and had tried to establish a settlement called Swavendal in present-day Delaware. Uh, Peter Minuit had been the governor of the colony of New Netherlands, as we spoke of in the last episode. Uh, he was the man who made the purchase of Manhattan from the from Native Americans. Blumert and Minuit knew from their own experience that New Netherlands had uh, failed to control the west bank of the Delaware River. So this was land that was up to, up to grabs, so to speak. They persuaded Sweden to colonize the region. Uh, and in 1637, the New Sweden Company was formed with financiers from both Sweden and the Netherlands. The goal was to establish a colony on the Delaware River Um, and of course it's somewhat ironic that this man from the Netherlands is getting engaged in in a colonization scheme that becomes a competitor with their own homelands colony of New Netherlands. Uh, None other than Peter Menuit is actually appointed to be the first governor of New Sweden. In 1637, uh, Sweden sends two ships across the Atlantic uh, called Kalmar Nyckel and Fågelgrip in English, the key of Kalmar. Kalmar is a Swedish city uh, and the Griffin Bird, if you translate the names. They sail up the Delaware River and establish Fort Christina, uh, a fort named of the young queen. Uh, the place is today called the Swedes Landing and is located in what is now Wilmington, Delaware, uh, at the outlet of the Christina River and the Brandywine Creek uh, so it's a place you can visit today when I visited Wilmington uh, many years ago there was actually a replica of the ship Kalmar Nyckel in the harbor, a fantastic ship, um, although it was closed for visitors uh, a young man let me get on board and gave me a sort of a mini tour uh, when he heard that i was a swedish and knew and knew the history so i was able to uh, look at the ship and, and, and spoke to him so if you ever listen to this podcast you, you still have my gratitude a very nice fellow the governor of new netherlands william kift uh, of course protested since the netherlands made claims to the area the swedes arrived to uh, but Peter Minuit, knowing that the competing colony was weak from a military standpoint, uh, ignored the protest. Uh, by this time, the Netherlands had built a rival fort across the river called Fort Nassau, uh, actually the same name as the first fort in today's Albany, which had changed the name to Fort Orange. Peter Minuit himself did not become a long-term governor. He, his plan was to return to Sweden and pick up more colonists, but he actually died on his way back. <laughs> Between the years 1637 to 1642, the colony is established and stabilized. Uh, Relations with the Native Americans are, are pretty good. New Sweden was populated by around 600 people. Uh, The population consists of course of Swedes but also many Finns from the Swedish uh, eastern part which is today the country of Finland. It was these Finns who were really skilled woodsmen uh, who, who first brought the technique of building log cabins into the United States which became very useful in a frontier environment. New Sweden is closely associated with the future state of Delaware, but the Swedish settlements were also established in parts of present-day Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New Jersey. Uh, Swedes, for example, settled in what today belongs to Philadelphia, being the first uh, European colonists uh, in, in the area of Philadelphia. In a way, it was a... Great achievement because few supply ships arrived during the seventeen years of the colony. Uh, Sweden sent only twelve expedition to the colony with supplies and reinforcements, often consisting of. Only a single ship. And one of these ships actually sank without getting to the American coast. Uh, sometimes several years passed between the arrival of, of the ships. Uh, between the year 1647 and 1654, uh, that is almost seven years, no ship arrived uh, at all. Uh, that is seven years without news or contact with the, with the homeland. In 1641, the Dutch uh, owners are bought out from the company and the New Sweden company and the New new Sweden colony becomes a purely Swedish enterprise. In 1643, a new governor, Johan Prince, arrives, uh, quite a strong character. Uh, he was a huge man, both tall and quite fat, so the Native Americans call him Big Belly. Under Prince's leadership, the colony began to expand, but the, with clear orders from Sweden to try to avoid conflict with the neighboring neighboring New Netherlands to just to stay primarily on the west bank of the Delaware River in the end, the Swedish colonists founded a number of towns and forts with uh, Swedish and Finnish place names. Uh, we got New Ellsborg, today's Salem, New Gothenburg, today's Essington in Pennsylvania, New Koshholm, present-day Philadelphia, New Vasa, also present-day Philadelphia, New Stockholm, which is Bridgeport, New Jersey, uh, New Melndor uh, which is Jedon, Pennsylvania, and Fort Trinity, which is Newcastle, Delaware. So the next time you travel in that area, remember that those places had actually Swedish origin. Just like most colonies in the early stages of colonization, New Sweden had a difficult time. The population of New Sweden declined during the years to around 200, 200, 250 people in total. They lived on hunting and agriculture, while growing tobacco and trading beaver to sent home to Sweden. Uh, the final years of the colony was uh, quite chaotic. Uh, Prince's rules rule was uh, harsh, and in 1653, the residents wrote a petition to go- to Stockholm asking the company to change the governor. Uh, Prince called them traitors and had one of the men executed, but Prince also returned to Sweden. Diseases reduced the population, further bringing it down to just around 70 people. The few remaining colonists abandoned some settlements and began discussing a voluntary merger with New Netherlands. But in that situation, two ships arrived in 1654 with a total of 600 new settlers and a new governor, Johan Liesing, And that could have meant... brighter future for new sweden but instead it went in the opposite direction when the aggressive riesing discovered that the dutch had built a new fort called fort Kashmir on the swedish west side of the delaware river south of fort christina he chose to attack and capture it Uh, this did of course not sit well with the governor peter Stuyvesant of new netherlands Uh, he was not going to let any swedes stand in the way of new netherlands expansion For several years he had been irritated by the presence of the Swedes and uh, had been waiting for the right opportunity to strike. Uh, Knowing that Sweden was busy at home with a new war against Poland, Stuyvesant gathered uh, 300 soldiers and seven warships to conquer New Sweden in 1655. Against that force New Sweden never stood a chance. Uh, Fort Christina was besieged and to save his garrison and small population from disaster Riesing decided the only logical solution was to surrender to Stuyvesant on September 11. As I mentioned in the last episode, the conquest of New Sweden did not help New Netherlands in the fight against the English. Stuyvesant was in his turn forced to surrender uh, only a few years later when the English arrived with a, with a bigger fleet and, and more soldiers. With the fall of Fort Christina, New, New Sweden became part of New Netherlands. Uh, the conditions were quite good and the vast majority of Swedes and Finns chose to stay and became part of New Netherlands first and then part of the English colonies uh, a decade later. So uh, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of Swedes staying in, in, in what was New Sweden. The legacy from New Sweden remained. Uh, When the United States declared independence in 1676, it is estimated that there were around 2,000 descendants from the Swedes and Finns who originally came to the colony. Uh, Swedish was actually spoken until the end of the 18th century. Um, The the Lutheran Church of Sweden continued to send send priests to the region for many years to come. Actually, it continued until the 1780s. 80s uh, and these churches have actually left their mark. Uh, if you're in Wilmington, you should visit the Holy Trinity Church called Old Swedes Church, Swed- Old Sweden's Church or Old Swedes Church. Uh, that is the oldest stone church in the entire United States and the oldest church where services are still held today in its original condition. So that's quite a quite a mark uh, left in the history of, of the US. There's a lot of tombstones with Swedish names in the cemetery. For me, it was a strange feeling when you walk around there, knowing that you're visiting Delaware, but it looks like an old Swedish cemetery. And if you're in Philadelphia, you should definitely visit the the church Gloria Dei, also called Old Swedish Church. Church. Uh, It's the oldest church in Pennsylvania. Uh, the famous Swedish singer Jenny Lind had a concert there in the 1850s. Uh, the shirt was designated in 1942 as a historical monument in Philadelphia. That is six years before Independence Hall. So that's quite amazing. To show its friendship to the US and pay tribute to history, Sweden gave a monument to the state of Delaware in f- 1938 called the Delaware Monument to celebrate the 300th anniversary uh, of New Sweden. Um, in Sweden's second largest city, Gothenburg, on the west coast of Sweden, Uh, there is a replica of the monument, which which was given to Delaware. Then, of course, we have the story of Rambo, and the Rambo family, one of the oldest Swedish-American families in the USA. Um, And it comes from a Swedish immigrant. Uh, He was called Peter Gunnarsson Rambo, who came to New Sweden on board the second voyage with Kadman Nukel in sixteen thirty nine. He settled outside of Fort Christina and became a tobacco grower and later actually a wise governor of the New Sweden colony, uh, the last until the colony surrendered to the new to the Netherlands. In Sweden this immigrant Peter had or Peter had grown up in Gothenburg, where I myself lived for fifteen years, and he lived near a hill called Ram Berget in English Raven Mountain uh, and took his name from the mountain but shortened it from Ram Berget to Rambo uh, Bo meaning nest so roughly raven nest is, uh, is what the, the word uh, means uh, and this was before he went to New Sweden so uh, when he got to, to New Sweden he, he called himself Peter Rambo in the middle of the 18th century Peter Kalm, one of the Carl von Linnaeus apprentices, traveled through the US and met with the relatives descending from Peter from Peter Rambo. Then they told how Peter brought with him, among other things, apple cores from Sweden that he planted in the U- USA and grew apples from. The apple was named after himself, the Rambo. Uh, in an American book on apple growing and cider making from 1817 it appears that Rambo apples were common in Delaware, Pennsylvania and Jersey, yes the region that once was called uh, New Sweden. If we fast forward from the apples that Peter Rambo brought with him to New Sweden and we go to 1972 the author David Morales writing a novel called First Blood about an action hero and Vietnam war veteran and he had a difficult time figuring out the name for the hero Uh, one day his wife came home from the grocery store with apples and took one bite of an apple and really liked the apple asking his wife which kind of apple it was and uh, it was a Rambo apple And Moral suddenly had a name for his hero. Uh, The hero was called John Rambo. And of course when the novel made it to the cinema. uh, Sylvester Stallone played John Rambo. So that's also quite a fascinating story. And I promised a story connecting New Sweden to Rambo and Sylvester Stallone. So there you got it. So, in the last three episode or episodes, I've talked about the Portuguese, the Spanish, the French, the Dutch and the Swedes. Finally, last but not least, it's time to welcome the English into the competition of settling and colonizing North America. When push comes to show, it's England and the English who, more than any other Europeans, constitute the foundation of what would become the United States. And we're going to talk uh, a lot about the English colonies, of course. But without describing the other European colonies, it's difficult to get the whole picture and understand how the English colonies grow. If we understand the difference between the English colonies and the other colonies, it makes it also a lot easier to understand why England in the end was so successful. Because the success of the English colonies also makes them so important that they will be able to declare themselves independent from the mother country in 1776. Until then, take care everyone. Bye. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil. And if the hippies and the yippies and the disruptors of the systems that Washington and Lincoln as presidents brought forth in this country will shut up and work within our free system of government, I will lower my voice. If the impeachment provision in the Constitution of the United States will not reach the offenses charged here, then perhaps that 18th century Constitution should be abandoned to a 20th century paper shredder. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow.